Welcome to It's a Good Life, the podcast for entrepreneurs, where it's all about growing yourself and your business. Here's your host, founder of America's largest business coaching company, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you and welcome to It's a Good Life. Today, we have a very special guest for you, our very own Dermot Buffini. Dermot is one of the most respected leaders in the real estate industry, and they say, you know, a prophet has no honor in his own home. Well, today I'm going to try to do an honorable interview of a man I know all too well, but maybe you'll get to know him a little bit better. For the past 20 plus years, Dermot's been an integral part of not only the real estate industry, but been the CEO of our own company here for the past decade. He's worked with leaders at a local level, a national and international level. And I've often referred to him as the curious CEO. And today I'm curious to hear his insights on leadership. Dermot, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to see you. Good to see you too. We'll dive right in here. You know, as a kid, you were always a curious kid. You've always been a curious fella. And it turns out that curiosity didn't kill the cat. He kind of made the CEO. So just talk about from your own background, where did the curiosity come from? You're obviously wired up this way. Yeah. Where did all the curiosity come from since day one? Yeah. Well, I think you're right. I think it's obviously design. It's innate. I think... I don't know if we've never talked about this, but I think our household was grown up. We were taught to be curious. We were taught to find out how things worked and challenge things and ask questions. It's definitely my learning style. You know, it, it's actually written all over my, my real strength profile. But I think it's, it's been, always been a way of me understanding not just my world, but how things worked. And I know I tortured all of you by constantly at, being the kid in the house who goes, well, why? Why, why does that happen? Why does it work that way? Uh, why do we do this? Why do we do that? And, and it would, <laughs> I mean, it was, I didn't know it at the time, but it, it would torture our own parents because at some point they run out of answers where it was like, I don't know why, <laughs> you know? Right. So I think it's definitely innate. And I think it's definitely served me well in trying to understand my role and what we do and our customers' needs. So definitely innate. So in 2013, you had been working in a company for about 11, 12 years. You were the head of business development. You ran our events. You did a lot of things. You actually started at the grassroots in our organization when you first emigrated to the States. And then one day, you and I had a series of adult chats, and it was time to become the CEO. And not because of your last name, I'd be obviously to say it'd be harder to have the last name and actually be the CEO as the opposite of what most people would think. And you were like, hey, there's things I just don't know about this job, but I'm going to go find out. And I, I think that's something that people need to understand that that's one of the most powerful expressions of self-confidence you can have is the word, I don't know, and then followed by, but I'm going to find out. And uh, you kind of went on a journey for a period of time, and you went out and sought out mentors, you sought out influencers, you were reading books. Everywhere you could go to learn about leadership, you went on this path and then applied that to our own company. And we went through a pretty dramatic turnaround from 2013 to 2017. We came close to basically doubling our revenues and rebuilt our organization in that four or five year period of time. So maybe you could talk a little bit about this connection of how you yourself became a leader using curiosity to grow yourself into a role that you would admit back then you weren't ready for. Well, you know, I remember seeing a quote from Richard Branson one time. He said, say yes to the opportunity first and then figure it out later. And I think at that time, you know, obviously I'd learned the business. I knew uh, a lot about our business. And I certainly knew it from the business development side of things. Uh, you know, I say, I think when you, when you talked to me about it initially, I was like, yeah, I, I might not have all the experience yet, but I, 
going to say yes to this because I feel like I can learn this and I can grow in this role. And I think the biggest challenge was making sure that I didn't have whatever perspective on the company that I had learned in the years of being here, that I could suspend that and go around the company internally and ask leaders in the company, hey, what do you think? What do you see? Where are we in the way? What is our opportunity? How do you think we can serve our customers better? What's getting in our way? What do you think our people need? And then from the leaders, then moving that on to everybody inside the company where I do lunch and learns. And I did that for a year. And I really made a commitment in that year to go, I just need to suspend what I know and what I've done and become a student and be curious about how are we making our customers be successful? What could we do to help our customers be more successful? Then I'd ask everybody in the company, what do you need to be more successful in your role and in your job? And what do we think we need to be more successful as a company? And I got pages and pages and pages. And I would say, honestly, we're still working through that list. But again, it broadened the perspective and I didn't have to have all the answers. It took the burden off me. I just had to be curious enough to go in there and ask the questions of our team and and then act on the answers. Right. But you yourself, on top of that, you had leadership gaps yourself (laughs) and you went out to people and you met with people. You're, You're a great networker by nature. That's why you're in the business development side of things. And you'd meet someone on a golf course and you'd be having a game of golf and the next thing you go, hey, could we go to lunch? And they were the head of a, a major corporation or they were a chief financial officer or you made it kind of a commitment to initially do it through relationships. Explain to people, because I think there's people who are in need of filling in some gaps. Explain how you'd go about meeting somebody and then taking it to the next level where you can actually curate a relationship to be able to glean from them some things that you needed in your own leadership style. Yeah, well, I think I was just honest with people and I connect with them, ask them quite, you know, as I met people or play golf with somebody, like, what do they do? What, what is their story? What is their history? What teams do they like? What sports? How do they get into golf? And then ultimately turn around to some of these people and say, hey, I'm a brand new CEO. You've been a CEO for 15 years. Yeah, look, I know you're a busy guy, but would you be open for a cup of coffee or maybe just grabbing a lunch one time? I'd love to learn from your experience. And, you know, I know we've talked about it a couple of times where there's a lot of people who are very successful and do very well, and people are always looking for something from them. And a lot of times they're looking for the wrong things. They're looking for a connection or a foot up or a donation. What I found is a lot of people are just more than happy to help you develop. And I certainly had that. And, and I think when you're open to it, you find it, right? You, you, you find it, you become comfortable in it. But I do think a lot of it's just being kind of honest with people and being humble enough to say, hey, what do you think? And how would you process this? So there's tons of people out there who are ready to help anybody on this call, just being open to it. And I think number one, knowing first of all, that you need the help and that you're going to benefit from it. And then there was also times when I met with somebody and it was like, eh, that wasn't really it. That wasn't what I thought. And that's okay too, because that's part of it. It's a process of elimination. But I used my breakfast in the morning and my lunch times very well. And I wanted to load them up like, you know, at least three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, having a, a lunch, having a breakfast with somebody who was like, what would be an example of something you learned from someone that really helped you? Well, I think, like, for instance, one of my mentors, and you know him, he's a Navy commander, Werner Stefan, like, he, little things, like, uh, why don't you think about that overnight? I was like, what do you mean? I, I don't need to think about it overnight. Like, I'm ready to go now. I see the answer. I, I know what we need to do. Let's go. I said, okay, maybe I'll try that. And then the next morning, coming in, going, something changed, or you had an extra thought, and you're like, oh, I didn't think that all the way through. I'm so glad I took a pause. I think, ultimately, you know, where you lead from. Okay, are you going to lead from the tactics or are you going to lead from the vision? Are you going to lead from the future or are you going to be owned by today? And I think alignment. I think Pete Letty was a guy I met with who had been 
he's a PhD in organizational development. And he was talking about the alignment. Like, how do you accomplish anything? Well, you got to know what the goal is. And then you got to create the environment to achieve the goal. And then you got to focus and not get distracted in achieving the goal. And that's organizationally. But if you can align that with hiring people to your team and leading people who are like, yeah, I would be in for that goal. I like that mission. Like we're, we're very lucky that we have people who are into impact and improving the lives and livelihoods of people. And we look for that and we recruit it. And then the next thing is to create the environment for them to do that and work towards that. And last, not least, but focus. So like things like something as simple, now maybe that's not simple, but you know, meeting somebody who could simply explain that in a very simple way, I'm like, okay, great. I need to tighten up that. And it's interesting because now you're the guy that people are coming to, like Pete Letty, like Stefan Werner, and you've developed a real passion for leadership. You're speaking on it all the time. And you see the gaps so many people have with leadership. But your office now is, is I like to call it the confessional sometimes, because there's CEOs from all kinds of different walks of life and brands that are seeking you out. And you've now become that guy. What would you say are the most common challenges that leaders are looking to you for for help? When leaders reach out to you, say, damn it, can I talk to you? I mean, I don't know how often this is happening, but it seems to be quite a bit. What are the most common challenges you're hearing from leaders? Well, I think it's a couple of things, really, if I you know, dial it in here to some target areas. But one of them is, you know, they want to grow, but they feel stuck. Like they've reached a certain level, whether that's leadership and their personal development or as a business, they just feel like they feel stuck, but they still have this sense of like, I want to grow, I want to grow, but I, I can't. I think the other thing would be a lot of times they feel frustrated with themselves and others and that wears them out and, and a loss of perspective and clarity because they're working from that place. And then I would say, Honestly, a lot of, and this, this is probably more and more, is burnout or borderline burnout. And again, I've experienced all of those things. I've contributed to some of that. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that's part three of the series. But you know, but yeah. you're, it's going to happen. Yeah. We've talked yeah. about it. It happens. And so I would say they're the big things. It's like this frustration, this tension between I want to grow, but I'm stuck, you know? And then loss of perspective. Yeah, it's interesting. It seems like as a leader, you're very passionate and very fired up, very clear in your goal. You can be very aligned, but you need to keep those guardrails in place. What is some of the best advice you've offered some of these folks? I mean, I, I see it all the time and burnout is a huge one. So it's like kind of this frustration of, I want to do more, which is the foot on the gas. I'm feeling burned out. Let me put the foot on the brake and the gears are grinding. And here's how I used to do it. And I got to a certain level of success based on what I used to do. I've been reading this book or met this person. Here's what they're doing that's new. And in the meantime, I'm stuck. And I got my foot on the gas, foot on the brake, and the gears are burning. What's been some of the best tips you've given people or insights at that time? Mm -hmm. Well, I think a couple of things. One is sometimes, I mean, we've experienced this, but sometimes it's not a growing season. Sometimes it's a learning season. And it's really important to know the season you're in, you know, and to accept it. And sometimes, sometimes an organization is growing up to the growth that you had last year. Or as a leader, you're growing up, you're just catching up to the growth, you're still digesting it. So a couple of things. One is Steve Jobs used to talk about his ability and his gift was to be able to zoom out, zoom out from the problem, zoom out for the business, and then he could zoom back in. So I think one of the ways is like, get, up, get above it, create some space, step outside of it, analyze, hey, what season are you in? I think taking a breath is important. To just, hey, don't run around the place holding your breath. Like, take a breath, realize this is part of the process, and kind of try and, you know, enjoy the process. 
I think the next thing is just get help. I mean, there's, there's people inside of organizations, there's people outside of organizations, there's people in our networks. There's no problem that you and I are trying to solve on a daily basis that somebody hasn't gone through in a different way and then get clear. You know, I have a guy who I worked with about this time last year and he had a, he had a big job inside of a pharmaceutical company. When he came to me, he was tired, burnt out, stuck, and he was getting really frustrated inside of his own executive meetings with other people in this meeting. And people were like, what's up with this guy? He was just pouring out of him. So I just sat down, asked him a bunch of questions, like, what's going on? You know, and this guy was also, he had been a captain in the army. And a lot of people who come out of the military find it very hard to transition into civilian life because you go from, yep, yes, sir, let's go do, to people like, eh, I'm not sure if that's the best idea. So he even had that tension from like, why aren't they doing what I'm telling them to do? Well, after talking to him for a while, he told me that he managed about 50 people in four different teams of salespeople. He had regional directors and he's the VP. And after a while, I'm like, hmm, you seem like you've got the perspective of the salespeople, not as a leader. So what happened was he was so wanted to serve his team. He got down on, the, on their level and he understood their perspective, but he got mired in their problems. They got mired in where they were stuck. He got mired in where their frustrations were. So I said to him, hey, who do you report to? And he goes, I report to the executive VP. And who does that person report to? The CEO. So I said, so you're two seats away from the CEO of a $6 billion organization? He goes, yeah. I go, okay. We need to start playing up from there. You have lost your perspective as a leader because now you've taken on the perspective of a frustrated salesperson and you cannot lead them from that perspective. How about we get you to play up? How about we get you to play up on what is your boss's perspective? What are they asking you to do? What are they clear on that maybe you've lost perspective on? And work your way up to the CEO. And I can tell you, just that perspective alone and changing that direction and him getting out of that environment, he was able to come back to that team and go, hey, I recognize the problems and you know I you know, I know them and I've lived them with you, but here's what we're going to do because here's the direction of the company. So it's a process. I, I guess it's easy to get stuck there, but you know, he made tremendous progress within like three months just by changing where he led from. Yeah, we were talking at our leadership conference, you were talking about the difference between being buried in the tactics or getting up into the strategy. And that seemed to really hit a nerve with that audience. You know, so many of our clients that are in our leadership coaching program, they're doing the tactics, they're executing on the tactics, but then they're getting lost on the strategy. And, you know, you kind of had a formula for them on where they needed to spend time. And maybe you could share that with the folks listening today. Yeah, well, I try and do it. It's, it's what I call 70-30. 70% of my time is like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm in the office meeting with leaders, problem solving, stuff's happening, things are coming up, the plans aren't working, this is broken, this happened, this situation. Great, you got to be present. But it, in order to protect myself from getting owned by the business and the tactics, I need to leave 30% of my time to to be getting outside of my bubble, to get outside the Buffini bubble, get outside the echo chamber, start reading, connecting with other leaders, looking at what's in the industry, meeting with you. Like we meet, we go, okay, hold on. What is it we're trying to do again? Are we heading in the right direction? What's the information telling us? And then at the same time as as a leader, we got to create the future. And that 30% of my time, which is really Mondays and Fridays I leave open to process and think about, okay, what's the next step and what is it that we need to do in the future and create Q2, Q3 next year, rather than it be just that falling over the finish line every week to go, how are we doing? Add it up at the end. 
there's a team to take care of the tactics, to lead the tactics, lead the team. I think our job as leaders is to create the future. I've been there on many occasions, whether it be in a golf course, in a restaurant, whatever else. When I've seen you talking to someone who's, you know, hey, Dermot, I'm dealing with this, I'm struggling with this, you know, what do you think? And one of the things I've seen you really master is the whole real strengths. And, you know, our audience would be familiar based on uh, Rachel Yeaman. We've had Rachel on the program here many times. In fact, if you get a chance to listen to some of the episodes we've done with Rachel, also on our It's a Good Life website, you'll see there there's a free real strengths assessment. And you're a huge believer in real strengths. You really have, you know, when we developed this profile, whatever, 25 years ago, and now it's been modified and updated and systemized a little more with technology behind it. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how you use the resource of real strengths when you're basically coaching up someone who's a CEO and they're kind of stuck. It's often our profile, our natural makeup that gets us into trouble, isn't it? It is. And I'm going to quote somebody and I'm going to do it in front of you, which is a real risk. But you can clarify this. But I think it was Socrates said, know thyself. Was it Socrates? Yes. Wow. Passed the test. Great soccer player. Great. Played for Brazil. <laughs> number eight for Brazil. <laughs> I used to say to Dermot, if it didn't happen on the soccer field, he didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. So he said, know thyself. And I think that's the biggest, you know, the biggest key for me. You know, the the real strengths profile is a game changer. It's a game changer for me. Not so I can come in and fix other people, so I can be aware of myself and really play from a position of strength. You know, know, it's like if you're not in your strength cycle, you'll be in your lost and pain cycle, you know. And we all want to play from strength. You know, I said to people, you know, Superman, even his Superman had his kryptonite, but at least he knew what it was. For me, understanding myself, understanding my gifts allows me to do two things. Number one, invest in them. Number two, grow in them. Number three, be very specific when I talk to people, say, hey, I'm really good at this. And then have the second part of the conversation is like, look, this is not my thing. And that allows me to find people who are great at that and go, you know what? We've had conversations like, Brian, that's your thing. Like, you're really good at that. Why don't you lead the way on this? Same way in the team, like instead of me taking on the burden myself, I want to spend my time in my strengths. I can give it to Terry King, give it to Jim Polzing, give it to other leaders in the company and say, hey, why don't you take ownership of this and run with it? Give us an example here for a sec. Let's say, so talk about a specific strength you have. And this, I think, will be a great exercise for the audience. Because one of the things we Buffinis are pretty comfortable in doing is sharing our weaknesses because we are not perfect and we have gaps. And that's why we need teams and we need people around us. Give an example of one of your real strengths that really helps you. And then another example of how maybe that same strength can get you into trouble or cause you problems. I'm ethical in my profile, which means I want to do the right thing in the right way. By I don't want to do right by our customer. I want to do right by the people in here. I want to do right by myself. Which is all good, right? That's a gift. Yeah. And it's like, there's ethics in that and there's integrity in that and there's direction in that. But sometimes you can be trying to overdo it. Like sometimes it's like, you don't know if it's the right thing to do or not. But if you're clamped down a little bit, and it's something I've had to work on to go, well, I don't know. And, and to let it happen and let it progress and not get too stuck. You know, so on one hand, it's great. And on the other hand, you know, I got to be careful to manage it because you can get stuck. Right. Because not everything's an ethical decision, right? right. The color of a website's not an ethical decision, right? It's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or I'm a team builder in my profile. Great. I love to build a team. I love to see people going for it. I love to see other leaders lead. You have to be careful with that because you can build, you can be committed. Sometimes you don't have the, you're not going to be able to keep those people on the team. And so you can be pursuing, hey, I want to create a great environment and all that. Well, some people aren't contributing to that. I have to go, hey, this person's telling me what they're into and what they're not into. It doesn't align with who we are. And especially in the people business, you got to be really careful of that one, I think. 
So give me an example of someone you've helped without mentioning a name, obviously, but like someone who was a leader, you know, you deal with very prominent people. Some of them are running, you know, Fortune 50 companies and things like that, who's been stuck in their profile a little bit. Give me an example of someone you kind of help see the forest for the trees by introducing them to real strengths. Well, I had a CEO of a company who was very gifted, very talented, um, a good communicator, but they also had this thing in their profile called performer. And performers love to get a reaction and they don't care whether it's good or bad. And so this guy, he had the skills, he has the communication ability, but because he wasn't prepared for communication and he relied on the gift, what would happen is when he was under pressure, he would come out with something provocative and he would lose people in the audience or lose people internally. And it was kind of like that little thing, when he managed it better and he was more prepared and intentional, he could really have a positive impact. Rather than saying that one thing in a meeting because he wasn't prepared or because of an attribute that wasn't under control, turned off the audience. So a little technique, here's somebody with strengths, but a little lack of awareness. Bring some awareness and point it out from a profile where it's a positive thing. And this is why I said our coaches do a great job of helping people to hear information that helps them not to criticize them. It gives them the option to go, hey, this is how you're built. This is really great. But see this one here? You got to watch out for this. So if you tweak this a little bit by putting an adult over that performer and a little preparation, you're not going to have a negative impact and you're going to be even stronger, especially for leaders. And anybody, communication is so critical because you have to prepare for it and you have to be intentional and consider the audience. And also, I think leaders as well, a lot of times, you know, we're judged harsher. And any little thing today that we miss say or misquote can have, you know, bad, leave a bad taste in people's mouths. Sure. And all the different HR implications and everything else. And that's just the world we live in. It is lonely at the top. But here's the bottom line. It's not lonely in regards to a feeling of being all by yourself. It's just lonely in that there's not a lot of people have the chops to be out in front and lead and take the criticism. I think about this term, you know, you are kind of, you know, I'm always referred to as the rags to riches entrepreneur story. And I've had the documentaries and all this stuff and came to America with 92 books in my wallet. You've had a different path, but you came here, emigrated to the States, and you start at the very most entry level we had. And you always say, <laughs> yes, whatever I the did. entry level is, you started two <laughs> rings below that. Yeah. And you had to earn your stripes. And you started out, you know, being a, a phone salesman for the company and then started working through and then assisted on events and then ran events. And then you got the chance to do business development. And it's been this 22, 23 year journey. And because we are who we are, you know, this is not an organization where, oh, this is a family run business. It's not. We're a corporation. You had to earn your stripes and probably had to work a little bit harder to become the CEO. If you had a different last name, it would have been an easier assignment, to be honest with you, because of the perceptions. So your own success story of, you know, starting out at the very bottom and working your way to the top, not of our, just our company, but of an entire industry, where today, when we go to the different functions around real estate, the CEOs of all the major real estate companies and banks and brands, I've always said, you have the biggest Rolodex in the entire real estate industry. And they all come talking to you and they all come looking to you. And we've even had competitors. We've had people who are in the coaching business come to you and say, can you coach me? You've grown as a person. You've grown as a leader. You didn't know this stuff when you came here, for sure. What advice would you have for people who are listening today who either are in a leadership role or want to grow in a leadership role, expand their opportunity as a leader? What advice would you have for someone who wants to grow as a leader? I can tell you what I did, which was, Ultimately, 
number one is I always want to be of service. Like my goal wasn't to become the CEO of a Feeney company. My goal was just to show up and do what was asked of me. And whatever responsibility I was given at Buffini Company or anywhere else, I'm like, okay, I'm in. Let's go. Um, I think for me, a game changer was when I came to work at Buffini Company was this focus on personal growth and this commitment to it really changed me. And reading the books and going, hey, how do I become more valuable to other people and in service of other people? And if I do that, then, hey, there's a good chance I'm going to do well economically. So I think focus on personal growth for sure. Being open to the possibilities. I said in the previous story, you said criticism. I mean, criticism shuts people down. But at the end of the day, if you're open to personal growth, you don't receive it as criticism because you're already trying to find the opportunities to grow and you can look at it as constructive. I think anybody who's a leader, like it's a privilege to be in that position. And instead of looking at it as, well, me or it's all on me or whatever, it's like, I try and look at it with positivity and go, hey, what am I going to learn from this challenge? How am I going to grow through this challenge? And I think any of the leaders that I've learned from or any of the leaders I respect, are, they read, they grow, they know history, they're watching documentaries, they're readers, they can speak to many topics, they can apply history to today, they, and they have experience. And I think the last couple of things is really just getting to know yourself. That profile was a game changer for me, real strengths. And then last but not least, just seek people out, like get involved, join networks, get outside of the bubble, seek mentors, get a coach, get, you know, whatever it takes to make an investment in yourself. I mean, that's what I did. And I still continue to make those investments in myself today. Now, I've often said, one of the things I admire the most is I saw you make better use of consultants than almost anyone ever. People used to say a consultant saves you enough money to pay their fees, you know? And you use consultants uh, or leverage consultants as coaches. And you still, to this day, you have a number of consultants that you work with today and partner with today to help make decisions, to help grow the business and help grow yourself. And we're excited because we've had a very significant development in our own organization in the format of our leadership coaching. And this is right now the fastest growing element of our business today. We ventured into teams and then we realized, man, what team leaders needed more than anything else was leadership coaching. And the coaching that we typically do has been our one-to-one coaching, which is to help producers produce at a higher level. But now we have this leadership coaching, which is number one designed to help leaders grow as leaders and then secondarily scale their business. It's just a different type of coaching. We have different coaches that do it. We built our organization. We built our curriculum. And it's been fantastic to see. And it's all, it's, this is all in a down market. This is the fastest growing element we have. Our leadership coaching conference in Austin this year was a sellout. And next year, we're going to be in Arizona in September. It'll be a spectacular time. And in addition to that, I want to make an announcement that my man here, Mr. Dermot, in January 1, will be launching his own show called The Curious CEO. And we found there's such a huge demand and there's such a need for leadership development and people asking these kinds of questions. And I kept saying to Darren, well, it's great that you're doing this one-on-one and you're having lunches and this and that and the other. I said, why don't you address it on a larger scale? And so The Curious CEO is going to be coming out in January. And at the start of this, it'll be once a month, you'll be hearing leadership insights and best practices from Dermot. And Dermot's tremendous Rolodex of people and world leaders and international business leaders and people who've achieved at extraordinary levels to grow as a leader yourself and people in the, in the industry we're in who've dominated and, and done remarkable things. To check that out, I, I would encourage you, it's coming out in January. And the way that's going to work is it's going to be both you could be able to watch it as like a webcast and you can also listen into it. 
you can go to itsagoodlife.com and we've created a little wait list for you there so that you can get notified when each one of these episodes coming out. So go to itsagoodlife.com. Just scroll down to the bottom of the page and you'll see there's a bar. Click on there and just put your email address in there and we'll give you a notification of when the next episode is and who's coming up. And I know you're real excited about that, Darren. We're real excited about it. We're real excited about the leadership coaching and how that's grown and very excited. You seem to have a little skip in your step about uh, sharing this stuff with people. Yeah, I'm excited about it. You know, a lot of people have always said to me, I just love to be a fly on the wall when you're meeting with these people or at the breakfast. I'm like, well, why don't we do that? You know, being curious is about getting answers. It's not curious about just learning for no reason. It's like, what are the answers? And, and what we've seen and why I think the leadership coaching is really resonating with people. It's very hard to go from a salesperson to a business person to a business owner. It's, it's a tough transition. And then to manage people and the whole lot. And I want to bring on guests who are like, in a very practical way, will share their story, what they've learned, what they apply, what they do to the routines that they have, how they look after themselves and how they lead others. It just in a very simple way that, like I said, I can go and go, hey, I can do that. Or it's going to give me one thought that goes, that's a game changer for me. And I think that's what we're going to try and create. One thought, one breakthrough, one tactic in the hands of a leader can make very, very significant, significant changes. So listen, we could go all day and we typically do when you and I get together. <laughs> I delighted having you on here today. Thanks for making the time for it's us. It's been fun. Very excited about January and the launch of the Curious CEO. Go to itsagoodlife.com and get on the wait list there. And our members, by the way, those of you who are in leadership coaching, what will happen is everyone will get the chance to listen and watch in. But you guys who are in the leadership coaching, you'll actually get a chance in each one of the episodes to then at the end of the episode to actually ask these people your own questions and so on and so forth. So it'll be special for you guys. People always ask, where did the Buffini brothers get all their smarts and their insights and whatever else? And it's always important to give credit where credit's due. We've had a lot of blessings in our life, faith and family and the experiences we've had. We were raised by two great parents. Our dad is 92 and our mom is 93. And they're still hanging in there together, doing their thing. In fact, mom just celebrated her 93rd birthday. I think you'd agree, Darren. She's a force of nature, even to this day. A remarkable woman. She's had huge influence on us. And uh, she's going to give us an Irish blessing to end our show today. And when you hear this little woman share this blessing, she's a force of nature. And the force of nature is that she's understood. The very blessing she gives is what she lives. Thanks for joining us today, Darren. I hope this was helpful to you. Join us on The Curious CEO, and let's get us over to the force of nature herself, Therese Buffini. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. (laughs) 